You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. We got my co-host Steve Buchanan back last week from his whatever kind of absence. He was going to be on today with us again, and he conveniently says that his internet died. So uh, as our guest said when he popped on, a bad beat for Steve Buchanan there. But as you may notice, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, our guest for today, Doug Kazarian, ESPN sports betting analyst. You probably know him as the host of Daily Wager on ESPN2, and he's got the Behind the Bets podcast come going on. So, Doug, thank you for joining us on Unreasonable Odds. Oh, it's good to be with you. I know uh, my crazy schedule was a late cancellation for the last time we tried to do this, so I please appreciate your flexibility and psyched to be with you, man. Yeah, we were, we were going to try and mix in some March Madness last month, but this works just as well because we're in the heart of NBA season, um, MLB's rolling on, and we have the NFL draft coming up next week which uh, something we were just talking about before we came on last year, the NFL draft happened in the middle of nothing because there were no sports going on. I had about 30 NFL draft bets last year. <laughs> the, in 2020, in 2019, I think I had four NFL draft bets. So that kind of shows you the spotlight that we were able to put on it last year. This year we have, you know, back to somewhat normal sports. So it's going to be a little bit different. I feel like I'm behind. You fortunately have an NFL draft podcast coming up, so you've got some stuff to talk about here, which I'm, I'm stoked for. Uh, but before we get to NBA, NFL, we have our new segment, which we ran last week with Olivia Moody, Know Me Better. And we're just going to run through some, some questions, rapid fire, give us some, some answers, have some fun with it, just kind of about your, your career as a, as a better. So uh, you ready to rip through these? I think so. Uh, with, with caution, I, I would say yes to that. All right. Um, so we're going to start with just your your biggest win. Doesn't need to be a dollar amount, but kind of your biggest win. It can be dollar value. It can be the best plus odds that you've ever hit. Both, whatever you want to, whatever you want to bring up. You know, I've been asked this a couple times, and I actually probably need to think about it more because I imagine I'm going to get asked it a few more times. I would say uh, middles. I, I think like that's the key okay. when you can get both sides pretty heavy. Um, I mean, look, anybody who's had a middle or even just a sweat down the stretch, um, there's some ridiculous endings in all these sports, right? I mean, just, just yesterday, I'll talk about one. I did not hit it because Chris Paul, a 93% free throw mm. shooter missed a free throw. And I had some in game, I had plus seven, plus six and a half, plus five. And then also minus three and minus three and a half, pretty big amount. 
obviously there were some crazy antics down the stretch. And if it, you know, obviously they're not going to chuck a three if they're down four with 0.8 seconds to go, but Embiid and the miracle shot that almost went. Uh, but I'll say, uh, gosh, I mean, even like the the Lakers magic NBA finals, I believe it was 09. That was 09, um, yeah. Uh, that, I, had, I had a big sweat there on one game. Odom missed a free throw. I mean, I, I really don't have like a huge thing because I'll, I'll, t- I'll say this one. I had a future on the Astros to win it all the year. They got Clemens and ended up going to the World Series and lost to the White Sox. And I had Roy Oswalt in the NLCS pitched a huge game to get me there. And then I hedged out of it. So I just, I remember just trying to figure out, and obviously that was much earlier in my betting life, but just trying to figure out the math and, you know, work, be, work, you know, work backwards of stuff. So that one will always stick out. That was like really sort of like, I mean, I had like 50 to one or something like that. So I remember I, I just had to like really play with the numbers and that was a significant sort of like, all right, this is like pretty lucrative. I can do some damage here. All right. Well, this is this is one of the reasons we have you on today. You're you're a sports betting vet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was in high school. I was in high school for that World Series. I didn't uh, bet on sports at the time. I probably it's something that I've gotten into the last five, six, seven years. So having having that type of experience is the type of stuff that we want to learn about today. Um, I always so I I played this game last week. I, people probably don't want to hear from me again, but I always like to have fun with my guests and then brag about something that I've done. So the bet, my most memorable bet, my favorite plus odds was Steve Pierce at plus three thousand for the two thousand eighteen World Series MVP. Wow! Um, not the biggest dollar amount I've won, but that is my favorite bet that I've ever won. And our listeners will hear about it every week because I'll just continue clearly guess about it. <laughs> um, all right. Everyone's got a pretty good answer for this. Your worst, and you have been doing this for a while, your worst bad beat that you can recall. You know, uh, again, they all blend together, and I've done a nice job of just kind of like moving on to the next one. But I will say, uh, gosh, I mean, you know, last year, I'll even say like, you know, two years ago, the playoffs, whatever, uh, when Jokic had that marathon series and they went the seven games, I believe, with the Blazers, and there was like a three- Overtime game, you know, that series, not that game, but that series, uh, I needed McCollum to hit basically one of two free throws to get a dribble out situation. And he missed both. And it was just so painful. And then the, you know, Nuggets like chucked. It was just, it was a horrendous situation. I remember like he's got to make one of these two. It was like three seconds ago, something ridiculous like that. But I mean, they literally, I have like handful a week. You have to understand. So like, I, I just, I totally I'm, get it. <laughs> I'm just trying to, all these, all these stories bl- blend together. Um, There's but, a couple of bets every week where you're just like, man, like that yeah. swing right there could have, could have made the week right there. So it, I mean, I mean, I, I get more resentful and bitter towards like other losses that aren't necessarily bad beats. Like I'm still um, upset over Mac Jones, not winning the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you're not going to give it to a quarterback, which is fine, you're just kind of bored with QBs and he's not a household name like Trevor Lawrence, I would go Kyle Pitts. And I said this at the time, and obviously we, we've learned since then how, more so how, how great Pitts is and nothing against Devontae Smith. But I just thought it was like contradictory that one guy would get dismissed for being in the Alabama offense and the other guy would not. I think Devontae Smith was incredible. Yeah. But Jones was a 41 touchdowns, four picks. He was not a game manager and obviously – he could go as high as three in this year's draft. I just thought it was like, of all the years to pick, like, you know, take a stand and like, we're not doing quarterback automatically this year. It just seems so like clear. And I actually had plus money and I had 
Uh, I didn't even like take a bat. I wasn't like a big loss. I was just like dumbfounded. And I still am. That I mean, so that's future, top of mind, I guess. Yeah. It's, I mean, so games happen and games, like you said, I kind of just move past it because they happen. So I, I feel like I forget a bunch of my bad beats in terms of games. The worst, the single worst bad beat that I've ever, ever had was the 2020 NCAA tournament. DraftKings Sportsbook had some awesome futures out where you can just bet on one seeds. And I had Kansas plus 250 as to be a one seed. And by the time we got to a week before the tournament, they were minus 2000 to be a one seed. They right. were going to be the top overall seed in the tournament. Right. That bet got voided because we never got a bracket due to COVID. That's the one that's always going to stick out to me that I got robbed blind on. Fair enough. No, I, I have a buddy who had 200 to one on Dayton uh, to win it all. There was a lot of uh, yeah. tickets out there and I did not have any along those lines, but you're right. Like there are legit. Um, I got bailed out. I had some uh, yes, no playoff stuff. I took some positions. I think I had the uh, thunder under last year that I had never lost because the season right. was cut short. Of course, Chris Paul did a wonderful job with OKC. So I've been bailed out a few times. Uh, you know, I, I, you've, you've motivated me and inspired me to like really rack my brain and go down the line and some of my uh, bad beats and all that. But I know last year we talked about draft. I had a uh, chase young under two and a half, pretty heavy at like minus 300 or something ridiculous. Uh, and then he went second overall. Like, so I got way ahead of it. So there's some, there's some nice wins out there and things like that where you just laugh. I'm going to really rack my brain. I, cause obviously we've all had some big futures cash as well whether it be Heisman, MVP voting, um, and things like that. I will say, like, you know, not my coming out party, but on the behind the bets, I touted a 100-to-1 prop on the NFL, uh, the Super Bowl, uh, a couple years ago, and it was uh, no touchdown the first half in the Rams-Patriots wow. Super Bowl, and that closed, like, 30-to-1, and I still recommended it. So that was one of the ones I was, like, really pushing hard. I did it for back-to-back weeks on the podcast. One guy was tweeting at me. He's like, you know, I thought you were getting pretty annoying uh, talking about this on back-to-back weeks, but look at they actually cash. So I don't know, if you cash that, that's yeah. not so that, that's probably the one I'm most proud of because uh, ESPN had started to go a little bit more. Um, the volume started picking up in terms of like betting coverage on all the platforms, not just like my podcast or chalk. Uh, so just going out and doing that and flexing was certainly uh, helpful and, and a, a nice thing to do. There you go. So we're going to take you from, from your high uh, of flexing right now and go to our next question, which is the worst advice you've ever given. You mean in terms of like, hey, I love this team or just in general, like macro betting you can, strategies? You can, you can pick what that means. The worst gambling advice you, you feel like you've ever given. Probably saying bet Tua to win the Heisman uh, when we were like two weeks out. Uh, he was pretty okay. big favorite. Now, I didn't say it when he was like obscene, like 1100 but I think it was like $5. Um, I was like, come on, the guy's quarterback, Alabama, he's going to win. Um, clearly Heisman. I haven't had a good pulse of things. No, I, I, I will say, say you're uh, all in on Heisman's. Oh yeah. Um, that's probably, I mean, you know, when you're on air and stuff, you're very careful and very measured, uh, w- with things. Cause you know, especially at ESPN platform, I mean, I've done TV in the past at previous, um, employers, but obviously there's a visibility that comes with ESPN. So I'm trying to be pretty measured all things considered, um, you know, when you're giving advice or whatever, I, and, and it's not even advice. I, when I talk about place, I talk about things I'm doing and that's my whole sort of approach. And I think that's a right. healthy approach in this industry where, you know, it's almost like telling the viewer or the listener that you're eavesdropping on a conversation we're having, if you will, or you're, we're all part of a conversation. 
and this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. You're, you know, you're in charge of your own, your own action. I absolutely love and put my 100% stamp of approval on that because people don't always get that. And like I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter recently, um, you know, that is like, there's no way that you're, you know, your articles come out for free, this and that. There's no way that you're, you know, can make any money sports gambling or you would have to, you know, have a subscription for all of your service or whatever. And I don't claim to be, I'm not a professional gambler. I'm not a, a handicapper. I'm a sports betting analyst, like you're a sports betting analyst. And I share what I'm doing with, with everybody else. And you can tail what you want to tail and you can criticize what you want to criticize. Um, but hopefully the information helps you. Um, so we'll move on to some teams, I guess, where uh, just team that you've, lost the most on that can I, you can interpret that again how you want team that you lose the most bets on and just keep going after or a team that you just lost the most amount of money on one season anything like that oh that's a good one I, I think I'm part of the masses at least for a little bit not the entire time that got sucked in by the Falcons and even the Chargers over the last handful of years those have been some couple teams that have definitely plagued teams and that just don't add up but for the most part uh, I'm pretty good at just aborting and ejecting uh, early on some stuff. Um, I did take a part in the Grizzlies last night, but this Clippers team has done some amazing things uh, shorthanded, right? They came back yeah, and beat the that Pistons. Looked like, and the Grizzlies went up big right away, and it was like, oh, I should have seen this one coming. I was mad I didn't bet it, and then yeah. Clippers run away with it. I had plus two. I, I got ahead of the curve, and you know, I hedged a little bit out of scalped my money line plays on it, but um, that was a bummer last night. I, I had some pretty good positions, but – I think just all season, like they, they won at the heat earlier this year, shorthanded. They've had some incredible wins and I'm sitting here with a sun specific division future. I got plus 800 plus 550 plus 500 plus 320. I just kept betting it. And obviously LeBron injury bailed me out, but uh, I just, this, this Clippers team is a cockroach that won't go away. So I will say I aborted early, but definitely trying to fade. You got to be careful fading injuries. We all know that. I think doc rivers, but a lot of coaches have said the most dangerous team in the NBA is the one missing its best player. And we've yep. seen that with Brooklyn, right? Like they've done great things, even when they don't have the big three intact. And I think they're like 11 and four against the spread as a dog. But um, on the flip side, like that Alabama first half run a few years ago with Tua, uh, I was going on SportsCenter, picking it literally every Saturday. And like the SportsCenter host, whoever, it changed a lot, would like mocking me a little bit. I'm like, look, I remember out that there. One. I can go do it. Like I explained to him why the line was off and how it skews because a fourth quarter, you know, they obviously save and takes the foot off the gas. So there's been teams that have sort of had trends. I wish I've been riding this Knicks current run, 11 straight covers, eight straight straight up wins. Um, but I, I, I don't have like a team. I, I just, you know, you kind of just get past all that, right? Like you try to push through. I've been riding the Corbin Burns train a little bit in the first five. I'm going to continue to do that. So you kind of need to sniff out things, but I'll see if, if he's facing like Bueller of the Dodgers and that, you know, that I'm not going to just like blindly bet Corbin Burns. Yep. My, I would say my worst advice and the team that I've lost the most on go hand in hand. And that would be the 2019 Warriors hmm. with Durant hurt with the calf injury. He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. Um, and all season long, I'd have just been piling on the Warriors. And then when Durant was out and we could kind of get like even money again, I was like, I, I don't care. I'm going to 
invest in the talent again and believe that Durant will be back. And then by the time, by the time he came back in that game five, tore his Achilles almost immediately. The Raptors were like minus. They were great for that one quarter though. They were great for that one quarter. The that was all world. Oh, that, the feeling that I, the high that I had in that first quarter where Durant was back, I was like, this is it. These 10, 12 Warriors bets that I've been piling up are all going to come together right here and then immediately ripped away. Yeah, uh, I made a similar mistake just taking the Warriors because I had assumed too much. I think we all, we can all blame Adrian Peterson, right? When he came back from the torn ACL and then was an absolute behemoth rushing the ball, I think it, it really just makes us all desensitized to injuries, right? Yep. We, we, we think modern medicine, and we've seen these obviously elite athletes in all these sports rebound so and be so effective, we forget the risk component sometimes, and we just kind of dismiss it. Like, we're just – I mean, look, the Nets are still betting favorites. Now, a lot of that is liability management, but uh, they've only played seven games together, they being the big three for Brooklyn, and we're just assuming they're all going to be healthy for a playoff run, whereas we have evidence that not only have they not been able to stay healthy this year, but they have a track record at least Kyrie and, and um, Durant do. So uh, I think we just kind of get desensitized to injuries and we just take the leap of faith. And I was talking about it earlier with the Lakers with AD returning tonight and also LeBron just around the corner. We just assume that the best case scenario with everything. The good news for the Lakers is that they're going to get to put something together to end the regular season. It feels like as long as they come back and remain healthy uh, and, and kind of get their feet under them, the nets now are in a place where I don't know about that. So I'm kind of going, I'm, I'm, it's funny because I just mentioned my bad advice on, on just piling on the Warriors. I've bet the Nets to win the East three times and I have the Nets to win it all uh, now. And I'm still, I'm not adding to it, but I'm still going to buy into the talent and just kind of believe in those bets and leave them, leave them be. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm going down the road of the same mistake that I made a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know the way the Nets are handling this, like, how do you, I'm sidetracking now, but like, how do you feel the Nets are handling this? Cause I feel like they just have to be being overly cautious and things can't necessarily uh, be that bad. I would not bet the Nets, especially at minus 115 yeah. or whatever it is to win the East. I not just think at this point. I wouldn't if they get, yeah, exactly. Now, if they get the one seed, that's a different ball game, but I'm expecting them to not get the one seed and have to go through maybe Miami, then Milwaukee, and then Philadelphia. Now, obviously, that doesn't necessarily play out that way, but it could. And then you get to the finals. Look, in a in a Pleasantville world, yeah, they are probably unbeatable in a lot of ways. And I do think the Lakers could, could beat them, but um, I just, I'm not going to bank on those guys and that team staying healthy and things along those lines. I just don't. And even Steve Nash might blow a game or two. Uh, yeah. We saw earlier this year, he didn't foul up three against Cleveland. They tied the game and then won in overtime. Now, since then, the other night against New Orleans, he was fouling a bunch. I thought he fouled too early. And in fact, Zion had the ball with a three-pointer would have tied the game. I think he fouled like 12 seconds ago, but it was smart because Pelicans only had one more timeout and it just worked out that way. And he had Kyrie at the free throw line. And he also has a guy like Joe Harris and then Durant when he's healthy and even Harden. So you, I, I, usually you don't foul up 12 or with 12 seconds left. You usually wait till like six, but um, I'm just saying there's some, there's some growing pains, if you will, that could manifest in the playoffs there. So there's some uncertainty there, although he has a veteran staff and uh you know, I'll take I'll take the field at plus money, if you will, just to win the East. Right. Yep, that makes sense. Um, all right. 
is there, are there any teams that you just cannot bring yourself to, to bet on? And that's kind of a season by season thing. Like, is there a, whatever last year's jets? Right. No, no. I, I, I actually, you know, kind of liked the jets in that Rams game. I thought it was a huge uh, opportunity in the flat spot. I'd actually been tracking the jets all year and they were finally getting healthy. I'll never say that. I think that's, you know, I know a guy that only bets underdogs. I mean, I think that's kind of silly to shut the door on half the board, right? Uh, I think if you dismiss now, uh, I have a buddy who says you can't complain about when bad teams do bad things. Uh, you can't be like, oh my God, they didn't, you know, it's like, well, yeah, that's why they're 30 point dogs yeah. in, in a football game. So you just kind of have to measure your um, expectations and things like that when you take some ugly dogs. Like we, I've been on the Rockets a few times the last month or so. And there were some bad situations. They're getting a lot of points. And yeah, they they've gotten better too. Yeah, like OKC last weekend, right? They're plus ten and a half at Toronto. You saw the reports on Sunday. And then they closed, I believe, five and a half. And uh uh Toronto won by six, I want to say, something like that. So if you get the right number, you can bet on any team. It's it's really just about getting inside the number if you're on an ugly dog. But no, I, I won't shut off the board. I won't swear off teams. I mean, there's been a few teams where I'm just like, I can't figure them out. So it's not that I'm opposed to betting that team because of their, how bad they are or whatever. It's just, you know, they zig when I think they're going to zag kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that advice. Um, all right, last one. Are there any specific trends that you like to follow or that you look for when you're, when you're getting into your day of, of what you're going to bet on? You know, trends has such a negative connotation in the betting world because it's like, oh, it's a get-rich-quick sort of, you know, farce. And I, I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I do think there's something to a trend um, when the betting market just hasn't adjusted yet. Like we talked about Alabama first half, there was actually a, a rational, legitimate presentation of that uh, trend in, in the value is because Alabama, the, the game line is based on this and the first half is based on the game line, but the first half is all the starters playing and things like that. So there was a logical presentation to it. Uh, one thing I've been really big on in the NBA to kind of embrace the load management component is odds makers have a really tough time, whether it be props or just game lines in general, when all these guys are out, right? In an odds maker's perfect world, it'd be both teams full strength, both good teams playing with a lot of incentive. Like that's easy. They're going to get two-way action. It's pretty easy to use your power ratings and come up with a line. But when there's all these moving parts, like it's really hard for the odds makers to stay on top of this. So, you know, one, one play I've been on a few times is Isaiah Stewart on the Detroit Pistons. He's got some Ben Wallace, Montrez Harrell flavor mm -hmm. to him, although he's a much better offensive player than Ben Wallace. Uh, when he, when Plumlee and Jeremy Grant are out and they've been kind of doing this alternating thing, he's like a double, double machine. Now odds makers did a decent job, put his pro rebound prop at 10 and a half. It's not like he was six and a half. But I mean, I'm on air saying like, look, this is a banger. Like this is, this is solid. And of course he had, you know, seven in the first quarter and he got there and, and double digit had a double double. So I would just, I kind of like to keep, what are you going to do? Put a prop of Isaiah Stewart, 12 and a half rebounds. I would, but they're not going to do that because they're stubborn and they yeah. get the under money. Now I was on the Draymond Green run for a while, had him last night, just no one could make a shot and I lose by a half, re, uh, half assist. But there are opportunities there to sniff it out. And so I, I guess we can call it a trend, but I, I don't know. I think it's just, if you, if you break down the why and it makes sense, then it's, it's good analysis and you can call it a trend if you want. 
All right. Well, that actually transitions perfectly into us talking about NBA because betting NBA this season is so different. Like I cannot bring myself to, we're recording this at 1234 right now, PM on the East coast, uh, Doug's out in Vegas. So nine 30 in the morning, I would never bet an NBA game right now because so much can happen between now and tip off and so much will and can happen with teams playing so many more back-to-backs than usual, uh, COVID protocol, health and safety protocols yep. going on. that can rule somebody out at any time and guys just resting more in the shortened, uh, you know, heavier load of a, of a season. Uh, the, the term load management was new to us a few years ago. And now it's just like, yeah, this guy's resting tonight. That's how it is. Clippers had a back-to-back last night. I tweeted out like, as, and this is something you gotta be quick on. As soon as Paul George is ruled out, I want to take Marcus Morris over 22 and a half points, rebounds, assists. It's only going to be up for two, three, four minutes until, right. you know, books react and take it down. But I was specifically paying attention to that news, got it, bet it within 30 seconds. Uh, and he had 25 points alone in, in that game. Um, sorry to you. Maybe he could have scored a few less and Memphis right. could have won that game. And we both could have won those bets. But like, that's the stuff I'm paying attention to this year and reacting quickly to player props. And like you said, like, so I, I was on the Suns minus one last night because that's what the line was in the morning. I kind of broke my own rule by betting it earlier in the day, but I bet it as soon as we knew Embiid, uh, we knew Simmons and Harris were questionable. And then as soon as the Embiid Curry questionable news hit, I bet it. And I said, it's going to move. If Simmons and Embiid both end up playing and I don't want it, I will take some Philly plus whatever. It wound up being three and a half. I'll take some Philly plus three and a half and get out of there. But like, I am not betting an NBA game, you know, early in the day and saying, that's it. This is the side that I'm, I'm taking without a plan to hedge out. I'm looking at, okay, once this injury report comes out, I'll back this team. Or once we see this injury report, I want to get on this prop quick. Um, I just want to get your overall thoughts and strategy in terms of betting the NBA regular season this year. It all depends on your own appetite uh, and everyone's personal preference. And you just did a nice job explaining yours. I would say because it's the NBA and it's such a volatile in-game market that you'll usually be able to play out of it. And it comes down to this, and this is not new to this year because we know about load management the last few years, but you can sort of kind of beat the market on this. And I've been pretty aggressive with it. Um, sometimes it burns you. Like I was almost positive that Steph Curry was not going to play on Monday when they were at Philly. I right. just thought the, the, the road trip, the, the injury, how he rolled his ankle. So I actually took a position minus nine with yeah. the Sixers because I was like, oh, this has blowout written all over it. And sure enough, it ends up closing four and a half because Simmons is ruled out, Tobias Harris is ruled out. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to take this one on the chin. Yeah. But Sixers open up 10 nothing or 12 nothing, and they call a timeout. Live line's 10, I abort. So I got out of it and actually had a, a minus nine plus 10 situation. Now that was really lucky, but in game lines that are like three and four, like you can play out of it. So on the Suns game yesterday, I was on sports center yesterday morning doing a hit. My best bet was actually Phoenix minus one because you can, you can anticipate certain things. Yeah. I anticipated uh, when I had OKC, we talked about it earlier, plus 10 and a half on Sunday against Toronto. And there are things now it's, it's always been inherent with the NBA the last few years, the slow management Hopefully you get the better line more often than you don't. So I would not run from it, but if you do, that's fine. That's just your appetite. And I can't fault you, but to your point earlier about the Morris twin, 
Like you can get opportunities in the prop market. The derivatives of all sort of the dom. I mean, there's there's all sorts of domino effect derivatives that re- like for example, if it's like minus four and it, like there's a bunch of guys out and it goes to like nine, they'll move that. They'll move the total. They'll sometimes move the team total even. But there's like random props like the team to be leading at half also win the game. You know, the, the, those things don't always move. Odds makers are asleep at the wheel. There's so much going on. That's why I think it's really yep. hard. You'll hear odds makers complain about booking the NFL draft um, because you're competing against so many different specialists and there's only one team of odds makers. And yes, you got You can allocate um, domains or sports that each guy is in charge of, but it's just not that easy. You'll have scratches. You'll have, whatever changes in the lineup you'll have whatever and it's just you got to keep track of everything so there are vulnerabilities um you just got to seize them so i i don't i don't want to just swear off the nba because there are opportunities but yeah i've been hung on numbers for sure but that happens in every sport right that happens in football with injuries not as frequently as the nba yeah it's like i would call myself more of an opportunistic NBA better this season than trying to be sharp and give out sides that right. are gonna, you know hit it 55 60%. Um last night so that would be Wednesday April 21st I took four sides which was my most uh, most in a long time and I did well I went 3 and 1 I missed on the Warriors minus 2 who were getting blown out and then were easily going to cover and then right. the Wizards right. so like go figure on that game. Uh hit Suns minus one, but if you take the number that that game was at for the majority of the day, it, it doesn't hit or pushes. If you got the three, I think it closed at. Right. Um, heat minus two after Butler and Bam were ruled in. I liked that spot. It was a close game for the majority of it. Then it turns into a 20-point game late. And um, I did ride the Knicks train. I was on Knicks plus one and a half. Uh, that one probably got lucky that Trey Young got hurt or they probably don't cover that game and need overtime to, to do so. So went three and one, but it was, uh, some of it was some. Oh, the NBA is a sweat. The NBA is a sweat. There was a good luck game, a bad luck game, a game where the number moved and he didn't cover it. Like betting NBA sides right now are, are wild. So I will say, I, I really feel like those little windows that you have until odds makers make adjustments are the way that I'm capitalizing on NBA this season, whether it be the Morris example that I gave from, from last night and getting a prop before it's off the board. When you know, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard out Morris is now like the go-to wing almost like that prop is going to change significantly. Um, Right. Another example is back on back on Saturday. We had that afternoon game, Lakers and Jazz, which was obviously supposed to be a big primetime game, but literally nobody is playing. Uh, so we knew Mitchell was out, but as soon as we found out Gobert, Conley, everybody was out, I took Lakers plus five and a half and just bet it big, said I'll figure out what I'm going to do later because this is going to move a lot. Um, and it closed Utah plus one or one and a half. So I took back like half my bet on, on Utah said like you said at the beginning of the show if that middling opportunity is there perfect it wasn't there the lakers won the game but got the cover on on that number uh, those are the it's it's like cheap wins almost but wins are wins no that, this is like that's this how you gotta is what do it. it is it is a betting market and you'll hear and you know i remember doing interviews early in my career where i was like you'll hear guys say i bought some of this i bought sold some of that it's commodities and you really have to think like that. Now, we a lot of it in since the legalization three years ago, 
has been presented in a, this is entertainment. This is, you know, just like having a beer, watching a game. And I'm in that camp too, but I'm also in the camp where this is a market and it is, you have portfolios and there are ways to approach things from that sort of uh, view things through that lens. And I I think that's one of you just kind of touched on the props of like the domino effect of props of that game was great. I went three for three in mine, right? You had Ingles, uh, things changed there. Even, uh, O'Neal went over his points, rebounds, and assists. It took late. It was like the final minute of yeah. that, that game on the regulation. But there just always is. You know, everyone thinks Clarkson. But it's like, well, wait a minute. If Conley's out, then Ingles has got to get more assists, made threes. He's going to be chucking. I mean, they shot 59 threes as a team on Saturday. But there are always uh, opportunities in the derivatives and things along those lines. I like how you explain it as a market because that's how you have to think of it rather than, you know, this is what I, I want to bet. Um, before we transition over to the NFL draft side, and this is more of a general question, but I just want to get your, your take on it, I guess, as somebody that's been doing this for a long time. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a serious sports better. Like I said, I don't call myself a professional or a handicapper, but I'm a sports betting analyst that is trying to, you know, I have my own personal bankroll. I take it seriously. I'm strict with it. I try and build it. Um, at the same time, what do we make money for? Whether it's your bankroll or like you have your job, you make money to have fun, um, and to like enjoy your personal life. So it's like when I tweet out, you know, like here are my three plays for tonight, that's my, you know, sports betting analysis. Now, if I'm having a good week and I want to have fun and I'm meeting some friends, like to have a beer on Saturday night. I'm, I'm in Boston. I grew up a Celtics fan. Like I want to bet Celtics money line in that Celtics Warriors game on, on Saturday night. If I want to throw a hundred bucks on that for fun as my entertainment with my money, then that's what I'm doing the same as if I went out to dinner on Saturday night and spent a hundred bucks on dinner. Like that's what I'm doing for fun. And hopefully it hits like, I just want to get your, your, and I, I, you know, maybe you don't put that on Twitter or in your article is like, this is a, play that I'm advising you to take. Like, I feel like people kind of do one or the other and there's no real blurred line or middle. And I just wanted to, I guess it's an open-ended question, but like, how do you, how do you feel about that managing your bankroll versus what it's for having, having, you know, fun in a, in a personal life? Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough um, to always be so specific with everything. So I sympathize with your uh, attempts to do all that. I, for me, and, and I mentioned earlier, there's always a visibility that comes with something like ESPN and things along those lines. So I'll, I'll be very, um, I'll, I'll be very selective with what I share, but you know, like last night when you said Trey Young got hurt and also, uh, was it Capella as well? Um, the, the live line was based on the closing line algorithm, right? So like the, I actually had some Knicks minus two, which looked great. Then they come back and it was a one point game four second shot clock difference. I'm like, Oh my God, it's going to land one. Then obviously Randall, it's the layup and go up three. So I had a little buffer and then they force overtime after the three. So I, so I got lucky there, but I, I should have tweeted out. I was like, Hey, this is opportunity, but I'm very careful because um, as much as I implore people to say, this is what I'm doing. It's not what you should do necessarily. It's, you know, it, it inevitably gets comes with people tailing and there are people on the show or who watched the show and tail and you know, it's great when things are going great, but it is what it is. Now I, I just, I just say this, I'm, you know, I'm very, uh, I don't know why I say combative, but you know, I'll play devil. Like, you know, I had a ridiculous run in February. My best bets went 18 and two uh, for the entire month. It was silly. And then yeah. 
I've had some printed records, whether it be the Las Vegas Review Journal when I used to work out here, and also my chalk plays for the last few college football seasons, even the NBA right now. I'm at like 23 and 11 or something insane. And I just like screenshot that record and I'll send it to some guy. I'm like, do you think I am a 68% lifetime better? I'm like, of course not. Um, these are games like overnight. We're picking, you know, it's just, it just, you have to take it with a grain of salt. You have to understand that it, it's communal, whether it be Twitter or whatnot. And I've, when I say I'm betting, I'm betting like without a doubt. And all my best bets I've bet on as well. And all my other plays, I'll be like, you know, but, but I, I just think there are other plays out there. So you just have to kind of be, I don't know. You're, you're asking people to be logical and rational, but um, it is what it is. It's, 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 I can't, you know, you know, buddy told me this line and, and I've used it. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, it rubs people the wrong way. Understandably. It's like, I can only explain it to you. I can't understand it for you. So I'm just going to like do my thing and explain it. And if you can't figure that out, then that's on you. This is why I'm betting what I am betting. Hopefully right. you understand it and you can, you can choose to bet it for, for your own reasons. I would recommend against blind tailing, I guess, is yeah, the, the message here. Oh, this guy tweeted it out. He works for ESPN. He works for DraftKings. Right. I'm going to bet it too. Correct. Understand it. I like that advice. Um, and we keep getting wrapped into things, but really quick, that live betting advice, uh, betting the NBA live has presented some ridiculous opportunities. One of the biggest NBA bets I made this season was – a very, a very sharp bet and one that I wound up in the end getting extremely lucky with. Uh, Steph Curry was ruled out like after tip of a game in Charlotte. His Charlotte, game. yep. Um, and that so the live line never adjusted to the closing numbers. Correct. So never Correct. adjusted to a no Steph Curry line, which is one of the biggest swings a line can have in the NBA. Curry's one of the top three, four, five players that can move a line in the NBA. Um, so I smashed we got lucky. We both, we both grabbed the Charlotte side on that. Okay. <laughs> I had under, I had second half under that landed on the number. I believe Wow, um, we got super lucky with the Draymond double tech. That would, so that was, uh, that's the type of situation that you want to look for. If you're looking for an edge in NBA to get on those spots, because it's going to be a huge, huge number advantage that you get there. Um, we and that's it. why I uh, sorry to interrupt. And no, that's why you said, Hey, when, you know, like you said, Saturday, you want to bet on the Celtics money line. Cause I'm going out with friends. That's why I actually avoid those situations because you go into a game with a hunch and almost look for validation confirmation bias where I'd rather go out going with a clean slate because the live betting options are going to be out there. So I don't want to have a position, even if it's like beer money, I just yeah. want to ha have a root, not, not have a root, just, just go in there clean. Um, Actually, it's funny. Now I can answer your question because it just came to me. You mentioned the live line and all that. So a couple Saturdays ago, Kyrie and Schroeder got ejected late third yep. in a Nets-Lakers game. And I had, my, I had my biggest play I've had in five years. And I did not want to tweet about it because I was very nervous. But I did text a couple sharp guys. I said, this thing's over. Uh, I believe the, line, the game margin was 17 or 18. And the live line was nine and a half. I was like, well, wait a minute. There's already no Harden. Kyrie just got ejected. Now I know Schroeder's good, but it's late third. KD's on a minutes count. This Nets team isn't like coming back. Like the live line was nine and a half. It should have been whatever the margin was, 17 and a half or so. Yeah. So I went pretty heavy. Very lucky that coming out of start the fourth quarter, Ben McLemore hits back to back corner threes with a guy in his face and he's fading away. And then that pushed it into the twenties. And you know, look, things went my way after that. But I, I will say I'm very careful of not just having beer money on a game. If I'm going to be watching, I just don't want to have any sort of um, 
influence and skewed be skewed any which way. There you go. Um, okay, changing gears, we're going to do a quick NFL draft uh, talk before we get out of here. Like I said, this was something I was spending a huge part of my day doing last year because there was nothing else to do, and it wound up with a CVS receipt type of uh, ticket for me in terms of my, my NFL draft plays. This year, so far, I've, I've bet one thing, and I'm, I'm gearing up to bet more, but I got – Jalen Waddle to be selected before Devonta Smith at plus 110. Um, I've just been hearing a lot about his draft stock and people are knocking Smith for being the size that we already knew, size and weight that we already knew he was. Uh, but I'm just hearing that, that Waddle profiles as the, the you know, better NFL draft prospect. Right now that sits on DK Sportsbook at minus 125 on, on Waddle. Um, that's what I've put in so far. Waddle's a guy that I'm kind of high on. I like the under 11 and a half on him, but overall I'm not too invested here. And it's a draft where there's not that much at the top of the board. Like it's going to be Lawrence. It's going to be Wilson. Last year, you mentioned that you laid like 300 ish juice juice on uh, chase young to go under two and a half. I was in the same spot. It was, it was pretty clear that he was going to be that number two guy. And it was, it was even people get afraid of laying that minus 300, uh, but it was obvious what was going to happen there. Um, so you just kind of lock that in where I guess, what have you, what have you covered so far in terms of the NFL draft market? Because there's so much out these days and uh, what types of things are you focusing on? All right. It's a good question. And I think it's a good thing to remind yourself. And, you know, I say this out loud to myself and then remind everyone it is a very fluid market. And so if you see something that's like minus 700, I off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, but that would be like, I don't know, the jazz at home to like the thunder, right? Or maybe it's not that high. Maybe that'd be like 1400, but you just have to remember that minus 700 could be minus 300 in, in a day or even later that day. And so nothing is guaranteed when you're dealing with a, a, um, a space that is very based on misinformation and the winds can change with a trade. For example, right now, Jamar chase, I believe is about minus $7 to be the first wide receiver drafted. And obviously that is the perception of about 20 teams. But what if one of those other 12 teams that may prefer Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, to your point, goes up in the draft or or the wide receiver, there's a run in QBs and pits and O tackles. And, and, and it's you can't just assume things are just blanket. There's a lot of misinformation. We've learned that with the quarterback movement over the last month or so. And I'll just present this. Why are we so positive that Wilson is going to the Jets? Why? I'm, like, I'm what, interested in that as well. We know Lawrence is one. And I and obviously, I would, I would assume I have minus 263 right now on Wilson, number two overall. And I have a great position, and I'm very happy. And he's like minus a million everywhere else. But I, I like what, what, what do we – why do we assume that? Now, they traded Darnold, so we're, they're probably going quarterback, right? We can deduce that. But it's just two other quarterbacks that could go in the top five. So we've had tons of movement the last few years, right? The Baker Mayfield story going one overall didn't surface till Monday of draft week. And I've scalped out of positions like the Chase Young thing. I did scalp out um, because you don't know if another team, and this is a reminder for everyone. For example, this year, it's like, will Kyle Pitts go four overall? Well, what if Atlanta trades down, right? It's not, will he go to the Falcons? Or in a lot of these cases, especially when we were talking about the third pick, 
There's a lot of props out there. Is it the third overall pick, third quarterback taken? I would prefer third quarterback taken if I'm going to make a bet because you don't know if the Niners are going to take Kyle Pitts. Now, we don't think they will, but would it be that crazy if they already have Jimmy G in these contracts? Now, that could be the grooming. It's all misinformation. Look what's happened with the favorite. Now, I have Mac Jones at plus 750 right now to be the third overall pick. And that I beat the market. You talk about you have like 90 seconds to do it. And I did it when the report started surfacing, but I'm not convinced. I don't know what I'm going to do and how to play out of that, but I'm going to have an opportunity. I have some fields under four and a half as well. Um, try to thread the needle there. But I just, there's a lot of, uh, we might just remember the draft is so fluid and it's not a, a solid market like a, you know, a game is totally different than betting a game and based on information and what teams do. And like you said, the trades can, can change everything. So kind of like you were just saying with your fields under four and a half, trying to thread the needle with a Mac Jones three, this is a market where you want to have your bets like working together um, to either create a hedging situation that you want to create, or I, I guess that's it to create a hedging situation, but also open windows to, Maybe you get Jones three and somebody trades to get Fields four and you get both of those. Like you want to keep the door. Or you just want to grab value. Like I have Penny Sewell from, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, over five and a half minus oh five. Now it's like two and change. I would never lay, you know, that because obviously it comes down to the Bengals who have the fifth pick. But if the Falcons go quarterback, depending who wins, whether now that's assuming there's no other trades. Like we don't know what's going to happen. If now Slater could even go ahead of Sewell. Now I don't think that's going to happen. But the odds of Sewell being the first offensive lineman drafted were minus a thousand like a month ago. Yeah. And now it's in the range of what, like 450, 550, something like that. DraftKings has it at 560, right? Yeah. Now. So I, I just think you have to remind yourself, so grab value when you can. Now, some of that value is gone over the last, you know, there's more over the last month when things are even more fluid. Now the market's settled into place, but you talk to odds makers and I have, and you read articles and it's, you know, they, they all think inevitably they're going to lose money. Uh, whether the odds makers out here, I know, Westgate's not putting odds out till Monday um, and then they have to take them down Wednesday just per game Nevada gaming rules so I just think you have to be really smart don't go all in on anything that, that you have to, that's there's some silly stuff out there um, and take flyers and you have to remind it remember remind yourself a year ago was sort of the least accurate mock drafts than we've ever seen why is that well no combine what goes down to the combine you share information they go out drinking at night more loose tongues and there's a lot of sharing of information. You can scoop a lot more and people have become pretty good at kind of like connecting the dots when people are out, you know, who's solid contacts with each other and you can kind of play that, that game. And this year there's no combine as well. So you don't have that sharing of the in- information at the combine throughout the week. And yes, you can pick up the phone. Yes, you can text, but I have a few sources, not a ton, but I have a few that I text and I don't ask them anything about their team um, but I just like to talk football and it's just different. It's just different when you're, you're chopping it up over text than you are having some beers at midnight when there is such an energy and it's almost, you know how it is with guys or whoever, like there's like an ego thing. You almost want to one up each other. So when there's information yeah. back and forth, it's just sort yeah, of, I got up. it right. Everybody wants yeah. to be right. <laughs> so that whole like, Hey, sharing of information is even you know, the wheels are greased a little bit. So I, I think that's something to remind yourself is just that the mocks are really tough right now with, with the no combine. I think that's a huge piece of it. Um, and it clearly last year created some 
either edges or misinformation that that could maybe cause you to lose big depending on on where exactly you stood on some of these um i guess i mean it, it's hard to it's hard to give out too much on on the draft like stuff is it's a it's a week from from this podcast so we're gonna i'll, I'll have a couple i'll have a podcast on monday actually will be our nfl draft specific podcast at DraftKings. um i know you have one later later today that you said you're doing is there any i don't want to tell, ask you to like give out a play is there any play that you do want to give out or if not is there any uh information or player or spot that you want to like give out to watch like look for this type of information to bet on this i guess yeah well my biggest advice is what i just said like proceed carefully there's been a lot of movement um i i would say you know we talked about jamar chase you said minus 560 would you rather bet that being the him being the first wide receiver or kyle pitts at like minus a thousand to be the first tight end i mean the minus a thousand is like free money right in in a lot of ways There's no other tight end that's going to be taken ahead Chase, of Pitts. Chase is actually even higher. Chase is minus 625 to be the first receiver yeah. off the board. Um, and what's Pitts to be the first tight oh end? Oh, boy. All right. So DraftKings is <laughs> – we're smart at DraftKings. We don't have a tight end market. <laughs> okay. So I, look around. I'm sure you can – you want to make money somewhere betting on tight end. Okay. So there's some things right now. Um, I was looking at, like, the D lineman and, and linebacker. They're, they're, each shop classifies the guy – in a different way, right? So there's some linebackers out there that are now D linemen and the other vice versa. So I would, what I would encourage everyone to do is take a screenshot of the index betting. So if they're like the draft in the NFL doc, you know, when you watch the NFL draft and some guy is like, Oh, it's the you know D lineman. And it's like, well, on your website, it was linebacker. So you can at least get your money back or things like that. So I would encourage everyone to screenshot all the options on the board and just have that because there there is some fine print there that you could be missing out and and could could because they may not know that there's a million props they may not they're not trying to pull a fast one necessarily but just have your bases covered so I would encourage everyone that because there's also going to be some value in that index betting because they they may a lot of times they've copied a book from like a month ago so these lines are stale and then there's a lot of movement and they just don't they don't they don't move it in um and synchronize it. So that's my number one advice. Also, just like know the rules, like under four and a half, usually you think worse and it's higher on the draft. Under four and a half means one through four picks because the yeah. number four. So it's a good to go higher. So like pits under four and a half would be have to be drafted in the first four picks. So things like that, just kind of understand that. I would say I do like pits minus 110 first non-quarterback drafted. I think there's a lot more scenarios where pits um, gets drafted outside the QBs first. I mean, obviously Penny Sewell can go ahead. Uh, there's a pits. It seems head like because I was going to bring that up because it seems like there's some O line depth here, but not necessarily studs like a Chase or a Pitts. So I right. feel like if you want a lineman, you're going to either trade back or you're just going to be a team that's already back there waiting. Which is why them. I think Sewell over five and a half was my initial play, and that's why the the markets move. I, I do like Vikings offensive line. If you can go offense versus defense, I think I saw some minus one seventy. What the Vikings are going to do, offense versus defense, I think they're going to go O-line. Uh, Mel Kuyper's written about it. He's like, look, I've done four mocks. It's all O-linemen. You can get even money on O-linemen or even minus 170 on offense. I would I would recommend that. And then, again, trying to find the value. Like, you can do Broncos linebacker with first pick at plus 350, but I would go screenshot 
wherever they classify linebackers and you know what the guys are because there's a chance now usually you don't waste a linebacker pick that high in the draft um, but it looks like they're committed to Drew Locke I would not be but you can get you can just got to pay attention to the position eligibility of some of these teams and the classification I think is the better way to not eligibility so I think that's like my biggest advice if you will there you go I like that um, and yeah I'm just scrolling through right now the team's market this wasn't up a couple of days ago on DraftKings. Teams right, are now Right, so this up is there. a new market. Yeah, exactly. The exact position of the teams. And it doesn't have to be, you know, whatever. A team's picking 21. Who they pick at 21. It's just the team's first drafted player. So even if they move around, your bet still stays Correct. alive. Like you said for the Vikings. Oh, first drafted player, O-lineman, is there at minus 110. Yeah, and, and you can get plus 100 a lot of places. Look, there are opportunities out there. I would attack when there's new stuff. There's going to be fresh stuff maybe this weekend. There'll be a story that breaks um, and there'll be maybe a head to head. Like I like the chase versus Pitt stuff. I think that's smart rather than just, you know, Pitt's probably the only tight end in the first, in the first round. So uh, I would say, you know, I think someone's got a theory and I think a uh, guy I work with on the show brought it up. Tyler did about if you're a first round pick, you get the team option for a fifth year. That's why you've seen teams trade into the end of the first round and get that like a Jordan love situation, even Lamar Jackson a few years ago. Yep. Um, so maybe the over five and a half is worth a play at plus three fifty five and a half quarterbacks in the first round. There's just no one kind of like there on the cusp of first versus second, like Jordan Love was. There's a yeah. Davis Mills who could be NFL sort of material, if you will. Um, but you just don't know. You're you're banking on front offices who have a shelf life that's different than the fan base's shelf life, and that's different than the coach's shelf life. And there's a lot of ulterior motives here. And you're really going on misinformation, like I said, without the combine week. And it's just be very careful laying heavy juice. All right, there we go. And obviously a lot's going to change on the uh, in the NFL draft landscape over the next week. Um, sure. So you can follow Doug on Twitter at Doug ESPN. I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot covered on, on Daily Wager uh, leading up to, to the NFL draft. Um, so you can find them there. You can find the behind the bets podcast. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I think that was really, uh, you know, educational for a lot of people that, uh, listen to and watch this podcast. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I again, apologize for my crazy schedule and I, but I was glad we were able to work it out. People don't even, people don't even know about that. That's I know between, that's between you and us and you're throwing <laughs> yourself, throwing yourself under the bus, but you're here now. We talked some NBA, we talked some NFL draft. Um, and yeah, I think that was awesome. So Thank you guys for listening in to another episode of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. And we're going to be back on Monday. Uh, it'll be me and Anthony Amico doing an all NFL draft uh, podcast, which hopefully we'll have some more clarity there. And then a million things will change between Monday and mm -hmm. Thursday. And we'll be back on Thursday with even more. So yeah, uh, enjoy this week. And we'll be back with a lot next week. Mm -hmm.